Well, first of all, if there is a fire in a movie theater, uh, you bet uh, you better yell fire, uh, because if you don't, people are going to die. Right now, we have never seen something like this before in our beloved Canada. This was truly a trial of the century, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. I went over there. I was asked by the truckers and the farmers to deliver a church service. We had a Lord's Supper, a Holy Communion. We were singing hymns together, and I told them, stand up for your rights. I was wearing a hoodie with a solidarity on it. The Crown Prosecutor said, because I had that hoodie, I was inciting people. He compared me to someone that was inciting murder. He compared me to a Rwanda genocide. I'm telling you, this nation has gone crazy. We're truly living behind the Iron Curtain in China right now. And this person that is running it is bearing us alive. So if I would lose, Canadians effectively would not have uh, freedom of expression and freedom of religion. The judge reserved his decision for the middle of March. And I'm facing not just mischief over 5,000. I'm the first and the only Canadian ever to be charged with something like terrorism, interfering with the crucial infrastructure under the Defense Act. I went there to deliver a church sermon. I did that. We are being attacked left and right. Freedom of religion has to go first because wannabe pharaohs, if you will, the wannabe gods of today, um, they don't want like competition. So a person like me that would say to them, hey, there is a living God. Beware, he's coming to judge the living and the dead it has become a threat to them. And they are making me as an example out of all the people they have chosen a pastor uh, to fight with. Well, I think they're going to have an experience that Pharaoh mm-hmm. had the Red Sea experience. All right. That's the voice of Artur Pawlowski. Anybody remember him? He is the Polish pastor from Canada who spoke up during the COVID restrictions. Do you remember he refused to shut his church down? Do you remember the police came to his door, to the door of the church, came up on the steps, and he yelled at them. He said, you are Nazis. You are Nazis. You are Nazis. This is what he kept saying. I'm laughing. It's not funny. I mean, because he came up during the time of communism in Poland. And when he had the symbol of the solidarity movement, that's the, that's the movement by the workers in Poland led by Lech Walesa, which stopped communism, brought down communism in Poland. And you heard how he, the Canadian authorities described that symbol. It is unreal. Uh, we're going to go to Canada today and talk about those truckers he mentioned. He's facing 10 years for preaching to the truckers in the truckers' convoy. Uh, We're going to go back and revisit that convoy and what happened there and the implications and what the results were, if it did any good at all with all the price, the price that so many people have paid. Uh, This is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7. This is a gripping show, and I I think that you, I think you're going to enjoy, benefit from hearing what my guest, who is the organizer of the 2022 Trucker Freedom Convoy, uh, is joining us. So, uh, before we do that, I want to tell you that you can call us. This is the show will be controversial. What else is new? If you have a comment about it, you can call us at 662 821 2040. That's 662 821 2040. Or you can write us at sandy at That's sandy at afr.net. If you want to listen to the podcast, you probably have a way of doing it already. 
But if you you can go to any podcast platform, if you if something happens and there's just a lot of choices, you can always go to sandyrios.com. I think for people not so tech knowledgeable, that's the way to do it. You can go there and it comes right up and you can listen. Also, that will give you more information about the show itself and other things surrounding appearances and things like that. So, uh, And then Facebook, Sandy Rios 24-7. That's where we share articles uh, with you or uh, you know, websites of our guests, uh, things that they discuss. So Sandy Rios 24-7. And I think that's everything. I want to thank uh, Preborn for making it possible for me to have these discussions with you. What would I do without them for a sponsor? And what would all of these unborn babies and their moms uh, who have had the privilege of seeing, the moms especially, seeing pictures of their babies in utero in the, these uh, 40 ultrasounds. And when they see the baby moving, you know, and the, the sucking, sucking their thumb, they see what gender it is, they just they, they see it's their baby, it's their baby. And over half the time, they decide to keep them. How could they do that if it weren't for you providing those ultrasounds at $28 a piece? How could that happen? If not for you, if you want to help, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right, sit back, put on your thinking cap, as my mother used to say, and enjoy today's episode of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Those with the so-called Freedom Convoy say they're staying put until vaccine mandates are dropped, the masks come off, and life returns to the way it was. This uh, whole event has gone beyond just vaccines, and it is now about the entire ordeal. We're asking for our freedom. That's all we want. So they've been free. Free to park big rigs right next to the Prime Minister's office. Free to set up camp in front of the country's national parliament. Ottawa police say they have learned much in the past week, especially after reports of assaults, intimidation, and allegations of hate speech and symbols. This remains, as it was from the beginning, an increasingly volatile and increasingly dangerous demonstration. All right, Sandy Rios with you. I, I can hardly believe when I look at the date that uh, this Canadian convoy and the drama that ensued uh, as we all watched, holding our breaths, watching their courage, inspired, uh, that that happened just in January 2022 through February of 2022. Did you realize that? The events are just coming at us so quickly and important events, uh, but it's time to catch up on this. And so today I've asked um, Tamara Leash, who was one of the leaders of that convoy, to join us. She's just written a book called Hold the Line, My Story from the Heart of the Freedom Convoy, and she joins us from Canada. Good morning, Tamara. 
Good morning, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me this morning. You know, I remember seeing you uh, featured. You're full of uh, full of fire, and I loved it. A very pretty, uh, an unlikely leader of a trucker convoy. <laughs> so I guess the question is, <laughs> how how did you get involved with the truckers? I mean, what was the connection? Um. Well, a good friend of mine from Medicine Hat had sent me a video, a TikTok video that a gentleman by the name of Chris Barber had done in early January of 2022, and he was actually calling for a, just simply a Canada-wide shutdown. And so I, I got his number because I wanted to help, and I said, you know, um, this is my name is Tamara. Basically, my background is logistics administration and organization. I said, you guys are going to need some social media. You're going to need some some funding support. And how can I help you? And that's basically how I got involved. You both, I'm guessing, little did you know uh, that you we wouldn't we wouldn't just be acting as an administrator, but you'd be in the thick of it and uh, pay the price <laughs> the pay the price that you've likely paid. And we're going to get to that in a second. Okay, take us back yeah. to January of 2022. And remind us of how remind us how bad the COVID restrictions were in Canada that brought you guys to this point. Oh, they were! It was a really dark time here in Canada. Uh, re- depression was rampant, suicides rampant, anxiety. Uh, the restrictions that we were dealing with, we weren't allowed to have people into our homes. Um, there was a 16-year-old boy in Calgary that was tasered for playing ice hockey outside. We weren't allowed to sing in church. I mean, it was it was just absolutely tyrannical. Is is really what it was. I'm going to talk a little bit. Probably uh, not. I don't want to take up our time discussing this, but I just covered that story of Artur Pawlowski, who's facing mm-hmm. ten years uh, in jail uh, for yeah. allegedly the the charges that he preached to the convoy. What can you say about that? Well, there was, I'm sure you must have heard about it in the United States, but here in Canada during COVID, they really went after the pastors of our churches. You know, a lot of churches didn't want to close and refused to, and Pastor Arthur was one of them. But you also have to remember that he comes from an immigrant family. You know, he's watched all this before, and that was one of the one of the things I really noticed during the convoy was, you know, when we'd be walking on the street talking to people, Canadians were just so happy to be together and they're hugging and laughing. And it was the immigrant community that would come up to me and thank me. But they had this look of desperation in their eyes because they've seen this playbook before. We're having the same thing here. The, uh, you know, yeah. our, especially our Eastern European uh, immigrants, but kind of Cubans, uh, Venezuelans, mm-hmm. you know, they're just like, and Chinese. Oh, we have yep. Chinese immigrants that are speaking up that, you know, that want democracy. They've come here because they want freedom. Just beside themselves at what they're seeing in the yep. United States right now. So I get that. I'm curious, uh, be, you know, uh, Canada is oh, same but different. <laughs> Very different yep. from the United States and yet the same. It's just interesting uh, mm-hmm. how interesting that we share a border. But uh, this is the thing, and that there are so many differences. You have... Uh, the whole amalgamation, we have it too, but it's different for you guys. You have a lot of uh, different kinds of people, different tribes and nations and uh, different areas of your cities. And I'm more familiar with uh, British Columbia and Vancouver than other Mm -hmm. areas, so I might be misspeaking on this. But you have a lot of people of European descent, for sure, who are like first uh, Eastern European, who are uh, still very much part of that culture. 
Um, so you have a, and you got Sikhs and Indians and Vietnamese and all kinds of people. So how, yeah. what, was the, what was the unifying motivation behind this, uh, not strike, but convoy, uh, this real rebellion of truckers? What was the unifying message for you guys? Our unifying message, I think, well, I mean, immediately as soon as we saw how fast this was growing, because we didn't expect this at all, um, when we saw the support coming in and the donations coming in, we realized that this was getting big, and, and so safety became our number one priority and letting people know that, you know, we were only going to Ottawa to peacefully protest. We, we were asking people to respect our officers, respect the rule of law, and and that became our message, you know, and that we could only achieve this if we're if we stick together and 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 do it from a place of love and a place of unity. And it was remarkable to see. I mean, especially under this prime minister who's been incredibly divisive on so many subjects, not just the vaccine. You know, Canada had become really divided, and we just saw all of that melt away. And you know, in my book, I talk about coming through Manitoba, and we, like you just said, you know, we're going down the highway, and I look out my window, and I see Native drummers dancing, and, it, you know, and they're dressed in their full regalia, and I saw Sikh gentlemen standing beside them, and nuns in full habits, and hutterates, like, it just didn't matter what color your skin was, what God you worshipped, who you loved, or where you came from. We were just Canadians. Yeah. Well, I think that there's... I'll just say that uh, we know it's true that God has made placed in the hearts of men freedom. And that's true across yeah. the globe. People want to be free. And so that, mm-hmm. to me, is the unifying thing. Um, I, um, the one I remember, this is one of my favorite moments of watching all of this and just not just watching it. I felt like I was feeling the whole thing with you. We hated the COVID restrictions here, too. Tomer, and we had, yeah. uh, we had, you know, shadows of what you experienced. And some of us did rebel here, too. We were just, we could not believe what we were seeing. But you guys yeah. had such courage. And as I watched this convoy grow and move across Canada, the thing that really struck me, those scenes of people standing on the bridges in sub-zero yeah. weather. And we're talking about, as you know, really sub-zero yeah. weather. Freezing, cold, standing along the streets, even in rural areas. I just thought that was stunning, and I, I guessing you did too. Absolutely, it was very, very moving. Um, again, you know, a lot of us felt like this whole thing was guided and, and protected by a higher power, and I mean, just seeing all those people come together like that with no violence and you know, no aggression, despite what the mainstream media was saying. You know, we were so peaceful. So, what was your goal? What was your goal? Our goal was our goal was to have the mandates lifted once and for all. At the time that the convoy started, the rest of the world was starting to open up and ease their restrictions, and Trudeau was literally doubling down. I mean, the main catalyst for the convoy was him imposing the trucker mandates, the cross-border trucking mandates, which would mean that. The truck drivers that cross every day were not going to be allowed to pass without a vaccine passport or else they had to quarantine for two weeks. So if you cross the border in a truck every single day to feed your family, that's not going to really work for you. And I guess not. So that's why it was the truckers specifically who rose up. I want to just play something. This yes. was a stunning moment to me. I don't know if it happened during the convoy. I'm not sure. 
But this was uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. This is clip two. This is him threatening the truckers. If you joined the protests because you're tired of COVID, you now need to understand that you are breaking laws. The consequences are becoming more and more severe. You don't want to end up losing your license, end up with a criminal record, which will impact your job, your livelihood, even your ability to travel internationally, including to the U.S. We've heard your frustration with COVID, with the measures that are there to keep people safe. We've heard you. It's time to go home now. When you heard him say that, and I'm sure you all did, it was probably spread like wildfire. What was the response? Frustration, uh, I would say, definitely a little bit of sadness and disappointment. You know, we have been, had been listening to one side of the story for two years, and nobody was listening to the other side. You know, stories of vaccine-injured people were getting squashed. People that were be, were being negatively impacted by the restrictions, those stories never got out. So, you know, it was just incredibly disappointing that the leader of this country couldn't take five minutes and come down and talk to his own people. That's true. He never did. I'd forgotten about that. Nope. Yeah, he He never never came. Yeah, so, you know, courageous man that he is, not. Uh, Just dictators are often afraid of their own shadow, you know. But anyway, that's, uh, I think that's probably true of him. What a horrible leader he is. That's my perspective. Uh, so, yes. but so then you guys continued on though. There was a resolve that was amazing, and you ended up camping out um, in uh, in Ont- Ottawa. That was in Ottawa, right? Where you guys were encamped in the city for for yes. I'm not sure yep. how long. Well, what yeah, was, was that period? What was that period of time like? It was what I call a period of beautiful chaos. It was I was incredibly busy. We were in lots of meetings, obviously, the first little bit, because I was dealing a lot with GoFundMe and Give, Send, Go and our financial stuff. And, um, yeah, just meeting people, hearing their stories, get, seeing all the people that came to Ottawa to support us or bring donations or bring food or, you know, just to stand together with us. It was uh, incredible, but, but it was really intense. You know, we had a joke in Ottawa that, you know, in the, what, the span of one hour felt like a week. You know, like you'd go to bed at night thinking, oh, I had that meeting, you know, and it felt like it was a week ago, but it was just this morning. (laughs) You know, and the thing that I remember, too, that we haven't even actually touched on was how the media reported that. It was stunning. Uh, You were, uh, how did they twist? You help me, help me. How did they twist your peaceful encampment and lineup of the trucks? How did they characterize that? Uh, we were characterized as January 6th style insurrectionists coming to Ottawa to rape and pillage. And <laughs> we were accused of having Russian interference by the CBC, which is our state broadcaster, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation up here. A lot of our mainstream media in Canada takes bailout money from our government. And that started in the about 2016 or 17. So the writing was on the wall then. We all knew that you know, our media was about to be bought off, and they were. Uh, they accused us of trying to commit arson and burn down an apartment building. They accused us of defacing or desecrating our Terry Fox memorial statue. Uh, I mean, it was just so ludicrous. I, I knew that the mainstream media was uh, bought and paid for, but 
you know, this really drove that point home. I didn't realize what we're actually dealing with, the, the magnitude of what we're up against. I remember seeing you, I'm sorry, I'm, this is from memory, a poor memory, I think, but you were in some meeting or some confrontation. I guess you did a lot of meetings, and you were just, Tamara, you were amazing. You never lost your oh, temper that you. I could tell, but you were strong. You, you gave such strong defense and unwavering. And actually, we should say, I'll jump to this, uh, you're facing a potential 10 years for your part in this, right? Yes. 10 years in prison? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so what are Our you charged with? Our September. Uh, mischief. <laughs> Primarily mischief, yep. Which mischief. is in Canada akin to, you know, teenagers spray painting graffiti on the side of a public building. I mean, uh, Chris Barber and I are both charged with mischief. We're charged with counseling others to commit mischief, uh, intimidation, which is quite funny because I'm like five feet tall and 115 pounds. I'm not very intimidating. And um, counseling intimidation, as well as, I believe, disobey a police order. So our trial starts uh, September the 5th and will conclude sometime in November. What kind of a court do you have to go before to do that? Is it in your province or where do you have to go? No. We're charged under the Ontario Criminal Code, so we'll be, we have to go back to Ottawa for a trial. Would that be like going back to D.C. for a trial here, which is not good? Yep, yep, I think that's probably akin to the same, yep. Yeah, okay. I think we've got a good, uh, we've got a great legal team. Both Chris and myself have great, because uh, we're co-accused, so we'll, we'll stand trial together. Um, and we've got great legal teams. I think we've drawn a very fair judge, to be honest, I think. She's, um, well, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's, it's a little intimidating to go back there and have somebody from there decide your fate, I'll tell you that. Yeah. All right, well, let's go back to the story itself, because you guys were encamped there, I'm not, I don't know how long, was it uh, more than a week, right? Encamped in Ottawa? Uh, we were there for three weeks, yep. Three weeks? How did I lose that? Three okay. weeks. So the thing that I also remember, that I want to give people a touch of, I hope you don't mind, I... I just remember the the the, the, the truckers are from every stripe, every possible stripe, all kinds of characters. And there's a, a montage I want to play of them uh, when you guys were encamped in Ottawa. And it's and some of them, of course, have a, an accent, so you have to listen carefully, uh, an accent of some kind. Uh, and it's just interesting to hear them talk about what they're doing. You hear the truckers speaking out. Talked around with a bunch of us today, and. Uh... We're all just thinking that he's hes almost like he's scared. It's like a last-ditch effort almost for him. I think it's wonderful. Tell you why. Because like that, even more Canadians who was looking at the whole thing like pretty passive from their home, from their couch, seeing the whole thing, uh, what's going on around here, they might going to wake up and gonna, they're going to stand up with us. If anything, it makes him look uh, incompetent. It's almost like it's exposing more corruption or something. It's almost like he's just lost complete control of the country, and it's really shown just keep grabbing more power, dig deeper. I mean, we just want to talk. Come to the table. I think uh, before he does something like this, he should come out and ask what we want. I think it's a little bit overbearing, for sure. Like, we're not... There's no emergency here. Like, we haven't wrecked one thing, or there hasn't been any, hardly any arrests. And every time we sleep and wake up with the threats, threats are all, all over. Uh, I'm telling you, it's a very dirty game. They are putting pressure on our companies. Uh, I'm glad that my company owner, uh, he didn't call me back. He said, 
I'm 100% behind you. Stand whatever it takes. We're gonna stand our ground for sure. You know, we are here in a large numbers. I'm pretty sure there's gonna be some chicken drivers between all of us. But uh, you know what? I can tell you for sure. One leaves, 10 others, they're gonna take his place. I'm in for the long haul. He's, every time he seems to say it, it's like, man, I, my moral compass won't let me leave. We're not, we're not going anywhere. We're, uh, we're here until we're done. They don't know blue collar. Like we work. <laughs> we're a very conditioned group of people. We get flipped off on the highway. We're used to it. We get stuck waiting for hours on end. Like this is, I'm just not getting home. I'm conditioned for this environment. Tomorrow, that must bring back a lot of memories, and I'm guessing that you formed a lot of bonds in that convoy. Oh, yes, I sure did, and I recognize some of the voices in that clip, too. Yeah, they had, there was resolve. It was, it was really, it was amazing. I'm telling you, I was thrilled every day. And I should say this, too. How did I know what was happening? Because I didn't get it from CBS or NBC or Canadian Broadcasting. I got it from Rebel News. Rebel News. Right. Uh, was the one that stood uh, and uh, and held the line and dared to tell the truth. Uh, Tomer, were you familiar with them before you before this uh, situation with the truckers, Rebel News? Oh yes, very much so. I mean, uh, we know. I, I knew that Rebel was definitely one of the agencies that wasn't taking government money, and they've been, you know, a really great uh, independent news source for years. So I, I followed them quite closely. All right, so they were, Ezra Levant is the founder. I love hearing him talk, Tamara, but that's a story for another day. I just love He's so mm-hmm. articulate and so passionate. Love it. So I'm a subscriber. Yeah. That's how I knew what was going on with you guys. Okay, so wow. I wanna, then I'm going to play one more clip because this is when I think, uh, okay, I'm not sure how to describe it. Perhaps you would do it best, but I think this was the breaking point. And that's when the Deputy Prime Minister, Christia Freeland, with great confidence and peak, stood to say this. The government is issuing an order with immediate effect under the Emergencies Act, authorizing Canadian financial institutions to temporarily cease providing financial services where the institution suspects that an account is being used to further the illegal blockades and occupations. This order covers both personal and corporate accounts. Third, we are directing Canadian financial institutions to review their relationships with anyone involved in the illegal blockades and report to the RCMP or CSIS. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken in good faith. Federal government institutions will have a new broad authority to share relevant information with banks and other financial service providers to ensure that we can all work together to put a stop to the funding of these illegal blockades. This is about following the money. This is about stopping the financing of these illegal blockades. We are today serving notice. If your truck 
is being used in these illegal blockades, your corporate accounts will be frozen. If that doesn't chill anybody listening right now to the bone, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you understand oppression, but I'm asking you now, Tamara Leach. Tamara Leach, uh, what? How did that affect? What actually happened from that statement? Tell us what actually happened financially to you guys. Well, as a result of that, um, and as she just alluded to, there was no court order from a judge. There was no parliamentary oversight. They just went ahead and froze our bank accounts. And that is alarming because this is Canada. And you don't just get to take people's money in Canada just because you don't believe in what they're, you know. It was sick. It was disgusting. And in that same press conference where she makes that announcement, if you continue to watch further when they start asking her questions, she's giggling like a schoolgirl talking about, freezing the bank accounts of Canadian citizens, which meant we had mothers that were stuck in grocery stores at the counter, went to pay for their groceries, and had to leave them there. We had families that couldn't buy their children their medication, people that couldn't pay their mortgages. And, and um, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable and disgusting that they would do this to their own people. And, by the way, it was not an illegal occupation. We had two or one judge, the same judge, even up until the 16th of February, say that we were still there illegally. It's astounding. I think it sent a chill all over North America, too, Tamara, for people that were paying attention. Because some of those were banks uh, that the banks just had full license to take, to shut down your accounts, to give personal information to the government. And And that happened in the States, too. It was a chilling yeah. response, and I okay. So, go ahead, please. And not and not one bank manager or pre- bank president pushed back at all. You know, like we can't live in a country where the government gets to dictate health policy and which banks you can use and which banks you like. You know, she says it right in there, in the clip. There, we're encouraging banks to reevaluate their relationships with people that don't think like us. Really. Because <laughs> it's not any of your business what's in my bank account, you know? Were you surprised, Disgusting. pleasantly or unpleasantly, by the response of the Canadian people not involved in the convoy? Very pleasantly. I think I think there's a small minority of people that have been, you know, that watch CBC or CNN religiously, and they think that we're the devil and... You know, we were just, like I said, going to come and rape and pillage, which was never, never the case. But we did have so much support from a lot of people that couldn't make it to Ottawa and be with us on the ground. And, you know, I think that speaks volumes just through the um, through the crowdfunding platforms. I mean, we raised over $10 million twice in that period of time. So that tells me that we had a lot of support. Well, we certainly donated, but that's but didn't that don't weren't those funds taken from you? Yes, they were. Yeah, the GoFundMe was the campaign was frozen, and GoFundMe refunded all of that money. And then the Give Go, Give Send Go was also it wasn't frozen because they're an American company, but they would have seized the money as soon as it came across the border. So he ended up refunding most of that. There was just over three million dollars that was stuck in a payment processor called Stripe. So that is now sitting in an escrow account that nobody can touch. 
So there is, a, all, all told, there's about just over $5 million still sitting in an escrow account from Canadians' donations that the Ontario government wants. They've oh, got a seizure order on it and a forfeiture order on it. And that's after we get through the $406 million uh, nuisance uh, civil lawsuit that we're facing. It's, yes. Well, I can't, I have no words. I just have no words to respond to that except, uh, I, okay, so you guys drove back to your homes. You left uh, Ottawa. And I think uh, what, from your perspective now, after a year and a half or so we are here, uh, what, from your perspective, was the effect on the COVID policies? Do you think you had any effect on what happened after that? I think we did, yeah. Before we arrived, Alberta and Saskatchewan, two prairie provinces up here, started talking about relaxing their mandates, their masking requirements. And, uh, you know, a lot of things sort of fell away after that. Now, none of them will ever say that it was attributed to the convoy, but it, the timing is a little suspect, you know what I mean? So we, you, I, I, think, um, I think while it ended tragically, um, I never thought I would see uh, the government of Canada come down on its own citizens that way after such a peaceful protest. Um, it, it, it's just been, it's been a, just a stunning year and a half. And, and more and more truth is coming out every week, you know what I mean? And so I think our support is growing. Um, obviously, last year, after my arrest, I was arrested on an alleged breach charge, and I spent 30 days in jail and was denied bail. Two times through all of this, I've been denied bail, which is which is ironic because I have no criminal record. I have no history of violence. I've never even been in Facebook jail before. And then to have this magnitude of, you know, I've no more lawyers now than I ever dreamed I ever would. Well, it is an, it's a surreal experience. But I think, of course, in a, in a case like this, uh, Tamara, you never really can quantify the effect you had and the difference you made. But I have to say, from my perspective from the States, I felt the same way that I don't think Trudeau, look, he was becoming a monster. And uh, his yeah. sidekick, Christia, was the, like the female monster. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like almost they had, a, they had a mask on giving them handsome faces, but if you took it off, it would just be wickedness. And I, I don't know why you enjoy doing that to your people. I don't know who enjoys doing that to their own people, but they did. Uh, so yeah. I, I just think it, it's just bound to be that people in Canada saw more, heard more, finally probably looked into COVID more carefully probably were broken mm-hmm. free from their own uh, mental jail on that uh, because of your challenge. So uh, only time will tell, you know. But meanwhile, right. what can the book is called, by the way, Hold the Line, My Story from the Heart of the Freedom Convoy. And where can they get this book? Uh, it's available on Amazon, and it's also available at a website called theconvoybook.com. Okay. Theconvoybook.com. Is yep. it better for you guys if they buy it on theconvoybook.com? Either way. Either way works. Theconvoybook.com is uh, a website that Rebel set up for me that so people could order. So it's got some more information on it, more, more so than Amazon, okay. about me and the story and stuff. So how to donate if you want to contribute to our legal fees and stuff like that. So, okay. yeah. But either, either one will work. Okay. Then I'm going to say, if you're listening, I think you should go to theconvoybook.com. Dot com and you'll that will enhance that will help them in other ways. So the convoybook.com. Yes. And meanwhile, uh, Tamara, you you've 
hinted to me, I think a little bit. I don't know if you're a Christian or not. I kind of think you might be. Is that putting mm-hmm. you on the spot? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Okay. So uh, I, uh, the reason I ask is because if you are, and even if you aren't, I would encourage my listeners to pray for you and for your family as you Thank face you. this trial uh, in, in September, September the 15th. And so um, yeah. anything else that we've left out before we say goodbye? I think we covered the gist of it. Uh, no, I think that's everything. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me this morning. Yeah, well, my pleasure, and, and you, my, I, I admire your courage, Tamara. You've been an inspiration thank to you. me. So thank you. All right, Tamara Leach from the Trucker Convoy, uh, our guest this morning. This has been Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Reels back with you. Wow. I want to say that we have, uh, we couldn't talk about these things if it weren't for our sponsors. We have a brand new sponsor that I'm really excited about, and that's Christian Health Ministries. Christian Health Ministries. It's a new way to provide health care for your family. I know there are a lot of organizations who do this now, but Christian Health Ministries was the first. They've been in business for over 40 years, and they have members in all 50 states and around the world. You can choose your doctor. You can choose your hospital. It's not a network in which you are locked in. You can choose your plan. If you just want basic coverage, you can do that. If you want more coverage, you can do that too. I think there's three different levels. Uh, It's time for enrollment. It's a good time to check it out if you're not happy with your coverage or if you just want to explore and compare. Go to chministries.org, chministries.org, and tell them that Sandy sent you. We also want to remind you, you can call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can go to sandy at afr.net and actually... Send an email, sandy at afr.net. You can check out our Facebook page, Sandy Rios 24-7. Sandy Rios 24-7. You can listen to us on Apple or Spotify or Amazon or afr.net, our home base. See, there's just so many things that you can do. I hope you have a good pencil and you you sharpen it before you listen to the show because of all this information, but I do appreciate your patience. Um, all right, so I want to say... We started the show today with that clip with Arthur Pawlowski, the pastor, who's facing 10 years for preaching to the trucker convoy. Uh, His son recently appeared before the European Parliament, uh, and actually Arthur did too via video, but the son was making the case to this very, let's just say generally, unsympathetic group of Europeans. And now remember... um, they, they're more, they remember World War II and the Nazis a lot more clearly than Americans do. So with that in mind, just listen for a second to what Nathaniel Pawlowski has to say about his father. In my father's case, the Crown Prosecutor, and I believe in naming names, because our oppressors do not get to get away with this without being named and shamed. So the Crown Prosecutor Stephen Johnston and Judge Gordon Crink claimed that when Pastor Archer, my father, referenced the Solidarity Movement in his 19-minute sermon, it was an act of mischief against the government. The very Solidarity Movement that this parliament reveres and has placards about all over the building. 
the peaceful movement that broke the Iron Curtain and repelled the communist hold on Europe, the movement the Canadian government condemns and says is unacceptable. So I ask you, the rest of the free world, to intercede on Canada's behalf and pressure the Canadian tyrants to stop persecuting law-abiding free Canadians, especially clergy. They simply did their duty and gave hope. My father told the truckers to stand for their rights, solidarity style, and to do so peacefully. His sentencing is this August 9th, 2023, and if he goes down, we are all lost as Canadians. If a pastor goes to prison, what can they do to the rest of us? For giving a sermon in Canada, it is no better, they are no better than the tyrants of old. So please, I ask you for this for help and to pressure Canada on this matter and to help us deal with our oppressors who act like modern-day Caligulas. Trudeau is a modern-day Caligula. We cannot allow these, ma- these mad emperors to run mad. And remember, all of this is being done under the guise of health, safety, and protecting us. By stripping our rights and ushering in tyranny, We must not allow Canada to treat its citizens, and especially clergy, this way. The WHO has structured a way to take away our rights, and our local governments are doing that. Just let it run. Let it run. They're clapping. They gave him a standing ovation. This son of a pastor, Nathaniel Pawlowski, this is the EU Parliament. Trust me, this is not normal. So uh, with that, I want to invite my husband, Bruce, uh, who is a, you know, loves history, certainly knows a lot about war and Nazis and Europe and all of that, um, and about Canada too. So I've asked him to join us just to, to give his thoughts about what we've been hearing both from uh, Tamara and also then Arthur and Nathaniel, his son. Wow. Uh this playbook sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It really does. Um, I think this is spreading across the world. We're certainly seeing it here. You know, Canada uh, mirrors us in that th- their constitution, their Bill of Rights, they have a Bill of Rights the way we do, and it does allow for freedom of assembly as long as it's peaceful. And what the government here figured out in Canada was these people are being peaceful, and they're not going away so we have to find some way to demonize them. And so what do they do? They go to the businesses. Does that sound familiar? Think Facebook, Twitter, things here. They went to the banks and said, we need you to cooperate with us um, and start reporting people and start shutting down accounts. And there will Without be Without no a court re- order? Yeah, and Without there will be no, no repercussions. <sighs> and all I could think of is like January 6th, how Bank of America and others gave information. Phone companies. Without even being asked by the government. They did it on their own because they knew they would curry favor with this current administration by giving information about where people were by their bank records on January 6th and did they spend money that day in Washington, D.C. so that they could be tracked down by the FBI. Uh, Another thing is you think about these charges Mischief, mischief against the government. Ten years for mischief. You know, if you go to the dictionary and you look up the uh, definition of mischief, it's playful misbehavior or troublemaking. 
what, when did mischief become something that you can go to jail for 10 years for? Again, just like we're seeing here with President Trump, you're seeing it in Canada. This is intimidation. This is not justice. If they did something wrong by assembling, okay, then you find them, you, you disperse them, whatever you do. You don't start locking people up for beliefs for a period of 10 years. And, and sh- that's exactly what we're seeing with President Trump, too. They are shutting them out of their accounts when they've got families and children without warning, without due process. And I, I do think, I mean, this is a shadow of things to come. I think it was very good in a bad way for us to see what happened in Canada because you're right, Bruce, we were very close to that too. And we did see a shadow of that on January the 6th as well. So we have to stop it. Like these truckers made such a noise. They caused a commotion and they did it in such a respectful way. They were a lot like the civil rights protesters uh, led by Martin Luther King. They weren't violent. They were very very respectful. Uh, you heard those truckers in that clip I played. They weren't like waving their fists or tearing up things or breaking things. They were respectful. And think about that. They were that way despite the government refusing to meet with them. Trudeau hiding yeah. and issuing his proclamation. Yeah, there was, uh, there was Chick, a deputy. Uh, why doesn't he come down and speak to them? Yes, I know that was disrespectful to women. I know. You can call me. At six six two, I'm so tired of women power. I don't really care if it's a man or woman. Could I just take this moment to make that point? Look, it's just it has nothing to do with gender, but she is wicked, and so is Trudeau. I guess they're, uh, you know, they're equally wicked, and one's man and one is a woman. So just to make that clear, I I just think this was a gripping story by Tamara, and I'm actually looking forward to to uh, reading her book, and I hope that others will too. Well, if you enjoyed the show you know you can go back in time by the way and listen to other podcasts because we have been we've had some really fine guests and with a lot of really challenging things to say so you can go back and listen in the past you can listen we can't listen to the future now that you cannot do uh, but i just wanted to remind you that it's not like a radio show that it's it's uh, out and then gone it's not like that you can go back that's the good thing about podcasting but before we say goodbye today, I want to thank my sponsors. Preborn, first of all, preborn network clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion. And every day they save 200 babies' lives, and that's because of you. If you haven't given lately or ever, go to preborn.com Sandy, preborn.com Sandy, and make your most generous donation. And also we want to thank our new sponsor, Christian Health Ministries, the longest-serving health cost-sharing ministry around for over 40 years, helping Christians pay and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org. That's chministries.org. And tell them that Sandy sent you. That's Sandy of Sandy Reels 24-7. And I'm saying goodbye. Have a great day. Hope you enjoyed the show.